This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start so let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Welcome to Bear Archers Hunting 101 podcast. I'm coming to you live from my uh, my Oklahoma home away from home, uh, Liberty Ranch Outfitters, or is it Liberty Ranch Outdoors? Liberty Ranch Outdoors. Liberty Ranch Outdoors, my Oklahoma uh, home away from home. Now, there's only two good things about Oklahoma. The deer hunting, and then it touches Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the only two good things about Oklahoma. But uh, I'm joined by Corey Corson from Liberty Ranch. Corey, how are you, man? I'm doing fine. How are yourself this morning? Oh, wonderful. Much needed rain we got today. Yes, um, just enough to let it soak in the ground a little. Yeah, I rolled in here uh, with the hopes of, of looking around and, and seeing the place and setting up some wise eye cameras. And uh, we got a little bit of rain, so I don't know if we'll be able to get to all the places we want to go, but uh, still be a fun day. Absolutely. We can make the best out of what we got. But I am, uh, no, I'm looking forward to uh, to hunting with you guys this year and only about two hours from home. So uh, it's going to be fun to be able to, you know, I can just kind of leave in the mornings, get here and hunt and uh, spend some time with you guys. Uh, now, you guys run a heavy management system around here. Like you guys, you were brought in because you have a, a wildlife degree, correct? Yes, sir. That is correct. So, so what's your role here? Uh, you can... On paper, you can consider me the wildlife biologist and agritourism manager, more or less just um, agritourism, more just for some horse trails and stuff like that. We throw that in there. Now, you guys so you guys have a cattle operation and the deer hunting operation. Yes, we do uh, some preconditioned calf operation, um, and we do lease some grazing rights out on the ranch. Um, but for the most part, it's, it has a little effect on some of the wildlife since we have such a vast property here 6800 acres correct uh just a little over 68 like 6886 i believe is the exact number that's awesome man no i've heard so many people talk about deer hunting oklahoma and uh i went to college in oklahoma deer hunted it a couple times but but never had uh, a place to put in the work and and call my own and so i'm excited to get down here this year and and uh spend some time hunting with you guys it's gonna be a blast yeah um i'm sure like you said the last few years oklahoma has been on the up and up as far as some really nice bucks taken across the state um and just the mindset of some of the people 
in the state as far as managing for a better herd. Now, I'll tell you what I like about Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma's not the only state to be said about this, but when you look at Oklahoma, if you're hunting, I mean, it's almost like you can hunt 10 different states inside Oklahoma. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've got southern Oklahoma, and then you've got the hills of Oklahoma, then you've got out west, and then you've got, I mean, it's so much different hunting environments in Oklahoma that it's just, it's a blast, man. Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You've got bears, uh, hogs, deer, um, what else you got? You don't have antelope? No, we have no antelope here. Okay. <clears throat> I didn't know if out, out west in the if you had any antelope. Some probably in the panhandle um, with some elk and stuff as well, potentially. Yeah. Um, that would be nothing around where we're at in Pahuska, though. Right. Yeah, I forgot to say, we're in Pahuska, Oklahoma, um, which is funny. I told my wife last night, she said, now, where are you going? I said, I'm going to uh, Pahuska, Oklahoma, uh, to to a ranch i'm gonna be hunting there and she said oh my gosh this is where pioneer woman's at and uh she came down a few months ago and spent a day over there and i said yeah that's that's who i'm hunting with <laughs> and she's like no way and i'm like yeah they uh i guess they're big fans of bear archery and so i'm gonna go hunt with them and, <laughs> and uh she kind of freaked out a little bit but uh tip to all the males out there if you're planning a hunt and uh plan it in an area your wife wants to go to because then then she's not like you're gone for a week we well, can say well you come with me you spend a week at pioneer woman i'll spend a week hunting. yeah absolutely same with like uh she wants to go on this uh oh uh nicholas sparks tour or something in in north carolina so i'm like well i'll plan a hunt in north carolina and you go on your lighthouse tour hey absolutely guys <laughs> that sounds like a perfect combination to me <laughs> i uh recently was was talking with uh with harv ebers um who is uh his dad is the current, or his, his son is the current president of Pope and Young, and, and he was one of the founding members of Pope and Young. And uh, he talked about how his wife goes on all these crazy uh, vacations to Rome and, and Italy and all these places. And he's like, but you can't hunt there. Yeah. So he's like, I just plan my own hunting vacations. <laughs> plan it while she's away yeah, as well. There you go. Uh, before we dive in, let me give a quick thank you to my friends. Uh, over at Initial Ascent, I uh, a couple episodes back, I guess it was just last episode, I talked about having received my Initial Ascent pack and uh, haven't got to hunt with it yet, but I've put it on and, and uh, put a load in it and walked around and uh, walked a couple miles with, I don't know, maybe 50 pounds on uh, just around my neighborhood there. And I'm incredibly impressed uh, by the way that thing carries and, and, and how comfortable it is, uh, even with a, a medium heavy uh, load on it. And so... Go check out the guys at, at Initial Ascent. Uh, I'm running the uh, I, IA2K, and it's just a phenomenal pack. So go check out Initial Ascent. Um, now let's let's talk a little bit about your management here. Uh, what all goes into your guys' deer management? Well, to start off, we have uh, we do a supplemental protein feed program. We have um, it custom made through some uh, soothers in Kansas. A uh, little shout out to them up there. They're part of our nutritional list on our cattle side being ruminants kind of helped us along with develop protein feed um, we have that across the ranch we feed most of the year um, of course during the rut they slow down but it's still available for them and along with some of that protein do uh, feed we do some habitat work to help encourage um, you know <clears throat> some uh, bedding as well as you know just natural forage for them to browse on and help bring up the fawn crop as well we do uh, several different things as far as trying to tar for target bucks. We try to keep it as a more of an age structure over score or any antler size, uh, more of an age structure to help balance and 
know we're getting those deer to maturity to where we can have the best deer possible that we can grow and what our property here at the ranch can can provide for yeah so i remember um i didn't get to chat with you then but uh uh, my boss there at Pope and Young, um, you guys did a raffle giveaway for us. And, and uh, I remember hearing you talk about uh, kind of your deer management practices. And I was like, these guys got it. These guys got it figured out. Like, they're the real deal, you know. Um, it's not just go out and hunt and kill whatever comes in. And uh, But not only that, you know, all season long, the deer management that you guys practice, I was, I was impressed by. So um, what kind of deer uh, score-wise do you, do you have here? Uh, you can say... A- I'm going off a good average mature deer, um, whether it's a harvested deer or not, that's kind of irrelevant for this answer, in my opinion, but a good mature five to six year old deer, a good range would be 145 to 160 inches. You could get a deer in relatively easy. Welcome to Oklahoma. Absolutely. (laughs) Welcome Uh, to Oklahoma. Of course, you always hope for them outliers, that little bigger, Boone and Crockett plus, and so... Now, when you say you when you say you're looking for an age structure to harvest deer, um, what I mean, what is that age that you're looking to harvest them at? Uh, we're looking no sooner than five years old. Um, that's just um, in my background. That's when they reach maturity, and in this part of the country, in my opinion, being the Midwest, where we do get some harsh winters occasionally, um, but just in the growing season, about five to six is probably the matured mature age now in this in this part of the country and you mentioned it um what age do you start seeing the decrease well i'm some of that can come depending on the specific deer itself some of that can come at six seven years old um i've seen deer drop at five years old you know of course that's living living hard i suppose sometimes um but at seven or eight if they can make it that long, I would say it's a definite going downhill. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, the first, um, the first year I harvested with my bow, uh, I remember harvesting it and, uh, and taking it into the taxidermist and, uh, he said, yeah, he's seven years old. You would kill him two years ago. It would have been a lot bigger. <laughs> and, uh, of course that was, that was Arkansas. And, uh, you know, deer just don't, not necessarily harsh winters, but they don't have the nutrition value to, to make it that far. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 90 percent of their diet consists of acorns you know there's yeah. no crop ground there's no uh they're not feeding on corn or soybeans or, or anything like that so uh but yeah i remember thinking like crap why didn't I, you know? <laughs> uh, but my dad ended up uh two nights later harvesting one of his um one of that buck's offspring uh which was a year younger and a, and a little bigger and so um i was just curious i'm, I'm always curious to hear um in what areas you know when you start seeing that decrease of course in kansas you know they can go eight nine without decreasing yeah that's that's another thing that comes into factor just having that uh nutrition availability and providing you know giving them the most resources they can and they can get to that point seven or eight years old before they start to decrease it's that's what we're trying to do make make sure they got the best of what they need now as far as the the ranch goes uh you know i've seen some some a couple of really beautiful cabins um what all do you guys have um amenity wise i guess uh well um are you talking just across the ranch in general or more towards the hunting more towards uh, the hunting side of things. Uh, of course um it's so i guess a little background we're a relatively new um hunting operation this will be about our fourth year um in operation um so we are starting to build on a lot of things but we uh, look forward 
to uh, this year, we're going to put up a few more um, um, shooting houses for um, skeet shooting. Uh, more, uh, I guess you could say, a trail shooting. Very um, cool. And we're going to put up a new a new rifle range and extend it out to 400 yards. Um, just for a few people that like to shoot, we do mostly bow hunting here on the ranch. And we're going to try to keep it that way, but there's always a few right that like to shoot there's always a couple little mm-hmm. girls in there i'm just yeah. <laughs> i'm just kidding um but don't, don't start sending me hate no I'm just no kidding. absolutely not um <laughs> but as far as that goes we're um our lodges our one lodge sleeps eight um all you know four bedrooms queen beds two bathrooms our other lodge sleeps two if you know each other um you can sleep more than that we got to pull out couch as well but we try to keep it at two as far as number of beds in there um and of course we have six to eight hundred acres of beautiful oklahoma osage hills awesome ground uh and and, and again i'm super excited to kind of drive around and look at stuff but um you know when you're coming in here if you find your deer lease at a dead end road on a two mile dirt road that's a good yeah, deer lease. Absolutely. That's, that's a good deer lease. You know you've reached the, the end of the road. <laughs> yes, <to shore>. sir. <laughs> no, uh, uh, beautiful cabins. I, uh, You know, the first time I took my wife on a hunt at an outfit, uh, I've got some buddies who run an outfit in Missouri, and uh, they have a 12,000-square-foot built as a Cabela's Lodge. Yep. Uh, I mean, just gorgeous, you know. And uh, so I took my wife there, and, and she loved it, of course. You know, they've got a sauna and a hot tub indoors and <laughs> All that good stuff and, a, you know, full kitchen and candy bar and, and uh, for the kids and just a gorgeous place. And then I took her on another hunt. And I'm not going to name the outfitter, uh, but <laughs> I took her on another hunt and uh, it was in Maine. And we get up there in the in the north Maine woods and uh, she, we drove in there and her eyes got real big. She's like, You're, I have to sleep here for for eight days combinations weren't quite the same yeah. huh? <laughs> no they were not it was like you know a separate bathhouse and and uh then if the generators are off at night you got to go to the to the outhouse and and oh, uh, yeah. she was just kind of Backwards. she had big eyes man and i'm like don't worry it'll be fun and uh but no so i always look at, at accommodations because I, I love my wife tagging along with me and so she acts as my camera gal quite often and so you know i the first thing i looked at was cabins and showed her and she's like those are beautiful uh, you guys just built two new cabins right uh yeah those cabins were the hunting lodges um one smaller cabin finished in the summer of 18 and the bigger cabins finished in the summer of 19 so relatively new with most three to three years old you could say yeah they're beautiful beautiful did Thank you guys you. build those yourself um we participated in the building we did not build them <laughs> ourselves yes yeah i uh i told my wife i'm in the process um I'm in the process of having a camper built. Uh, my friends over at, at NZ Campers um, are building me a custom hunting 101 camper, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I, first off, if you haven't checked out NZ Campers, go check them out. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a couple buck beds in there and a little kitchenette and uh, and a pull-out camp chef grill, and it's going to be really cool. And, uh, and I told her, I said, well, you know, we might just have to pull the camper up there and hunt. And uh, so... Uh, but I'm excited about, about getting up here and hunting with you guys. Beautiful lodges, beautiful ground. Um, not much else you could ask for. No, well, just perhaps besides some deer, I think we have those as well. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've seen some cows out here, man, so I'm like, we're probably going to be eating pretty good. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Fresh steak, um, hamburger, everything we can get, we can provide that. We usually do for 
for some of the hunters that come in when they want a fresh steak. So, oh man, you can't beat it. You're talking <laughs> my language now. <laughs> Speaking of wild game, uh, I do a segment on here uh, every so often. Uh, you know, the, the podcast is called Hunting 101, so I do Cooking 101. And uh, I've partnered with my friends over at Rebel Six uh, Rubs. What they do is they make they have nine different rubs, and it's for all different wild game. Um, now, obviously, in this area, you'd want spicy whitetail and whitetail. Uh, those are two whitetail rubs, and uh, and they're all designed to accommodate the taste of that wild game. So whether it's elk or bear meat or or coastal fish or in, well, I mean whatever, they have all these different rubs to accommodate that that wild game. Um, and so I like to ask my guests, you know, what's what's one either cooking tip or cooking recipe you got uh, for wild game? Uh, well, I'm gonna take a, a step back from the deer. I do I do love deer meat, um, but if I have a when it comes in season, duck. I love to eat duck. Really? Um, you can't beat it, in my opinion, as far as a bird goes. You guys got a lot of ducks here? We get quite a few ducks through their area. Um, a lot of mallards. Uh, we do get some pintails and gadwall, some widgeons, teal, early season, pretty darn good. Now, is there a lot of water on the place? Uh, we have, let's uh, close, to, no, I'm going to say 42 ponds. Um, really? Ranging from acre acreage from a half to an acre to i think our biggest one we built oh six years ago was um seven acres awesome i mean we got so pretty good water and uh thankfully on the across the ranch there's plenty of springs and seeps um coming through some of the rock beds and stuff so there's plenty of water throughout the throughout the ranch that's awesome what other kind of birds do you have our quail population is doing phenomenal um, and we hope to keep that going. So that's that's really nice that's to see. That's some my favorite wild game right there. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Um, turkeys numbers here in the area are, have been down, have been you know, in, decreasing in a lot of parts of the area, Kansas, as well as Arkansas, I know, and a few in Missouri. But Yeah, we had a bad ice storm. Uh, what was it, last year? Um, end of October, maybe. Yeah. We had a pretty bad one. Took a turkey population. Pheasants as well. Yeah, we uh, we're unfortunately we don't have any pheasants um but so really you got your white-tailed deer fortunate enough not to have hogs on the property is you know they can be pretty detrimental yeah Um, we talked about that earlier and then we have of course quail doing well ducks and turkey population we we have some turkeys but not i wouldn't say a huntable population so we're going to try to do some things to increase some roost success some nesting success um we may may implement a few um, fake roost trees i guess you could say yeah um, i've seen some stuff in some of my work i've done past through college in south texas they made some that were very successful so we may piggyback off of some of that but now but we need to loop back to your duck recipe yeah here. but uh before we move on that's what that's what i love about this place man and just you know hearing you talk the first time and now hearing you talk you guys have a conservation mindset across the board you know some people lose sight of everything else because they're only worried about deer and they lose sight of everything else because they're only worried about turkeys or you name it and yep. uh, and you guys have a conservation mindset across the board and building just a healthy population uh, of everything not just your deer and uh, and that's what i appreciate have you seen um I'm trying to think of what it's called uh the back 40 series by meat eater yes i have yep see and that's what you know i kind of of course that's this is a lot bigger of a property but uh, that's what you guys to me emulate is building a healthy population for everything you know your crops your cattle your deer your turkey your 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 uh doves you didn't say doves did you uh yeah but we do have plenty of dove 
Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> because, again, because again, you build a population where, where everything can thrive. Yep. And, uh, and that's what I appreciate. Now, back to ducks. Uh, give me your duck cooking tip. So, so you got, you just limit it out in a morning hunt, fantastic hunt. When you come back, you got to clean them. Um, ducks, you can do it two different ways. Um, best way I like to do it is just breast them out. And once you get all some of the skin and all that stuff cleaned out, I like to cut a little a little pocket in it, in the duck breast. Mm-hmm. Um, not completely butterfly it or anything, just cut a little slit and leave, you know, half inch or so on either either side. So it's just a little pocket. Um, and then just let, let, let them sit on the counter as you um, saute some onions and apples. I like to use honey crisp apples. They're you know, just my, my favorite apple in general to taste with them. Let them um, saute in a pan with some brown sugar and a little bit of butter until the apples and the onions are all the same color, you know, caramelizes a little bit. Um, not more, no more than 10, 15 minutes, most likely, on medium heat. Um, take that concoction and um, fill them pockets in that duck breast with it. Um, you may, once you get them full, jam as much as in there as you can. You'll appreciate it later. Um, you may have to put a toothpick in the ends to kind of seal it up. And, of course, bacon. You just wrap it in a slice of bacon, throw it on the grill, hot and quick. And, you know, of course, don't cook it too long. You'll take that uh, toughness right in, cook that toughness right into it. So duck's pretty quick, quick and hot. Um, three minutes to four minutes on, oh, four to 500 degree grill somewhere in that type range four to five minutes on either side pull them off and enjoy and that's Quick. when you sprinkle some of that waterfowl seasoning from from rebel six on there and enjoy absolutely oh my gosh now if you don't like duck it's because you don't know how to cook duck let me just tell you something usually that's how it works they end up cooking it just a tad too long if you don't like duck it's because you don't know how to cook duck and uh i mean do you leave what temperature do you try to reach do you try to reach a certain temperature in there uh, well, I like to do it over charcoal. Um, just gives a little better flavor, in my opinion, over rather than over a propane or gas grill. Yeah. Um, so they're really not, most of the charcoal grills don't have a thermometer, but, right. you know, just as long as, well, I'll give you another tip for it. When you're cooking it, if the bacon is not, is still sticking to the grill, it's not done. Just let the bacon to where you should be able to just be able to pull it up and it'll, it, it'll come right off like nonstick, and then you can flip it over but when you do that before you'll fight the bacon rip it and then you'll you'll have a mess on your hands oh man well it's lunchtime now so hey. <laughs> you got any ducks in the freezer i do not <laughs> think i do actually guys head over to rebel six rubs and uh use code bear 101 at checkout and get yourself a discount uh they have some phenomenal seasoning some phenomenal rubs um most of your wild game if you mess it up it's because you cooked it too long Mm -hmm. that's 100 percent why and people people have this misconstrued idea especially with ducks i feel they have to to cook it beyond well done and i'm like no 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 Mm -hmm. no no no. you're messing it up now have you ever had speckle belly i have not had speckled belly no it it is the finest waterfowl on planet earth i'm just well uh, sand hill of course yeah. everybody talks about sand do you, have, do you have cranes here uh we get a few of them that fly over um you know that we don't have uh any ag fields or anything on the on you. the property where they'll kind of land in but man speckle belly geese are phenomenal mm. phenomenal eating wild game um i like to slice those breasts real thin 
And uh, well, I cook it, and then I slice it real thin and put it on a sandwich. Oh, okay. Oh, Lord have mercy, it's good. Um, oh. Now, <clears throat> back to uh, back to the ponds, and I heard you say you built them. Did you build them? Um, what's how do I want to phrase this? Did you build them in specific locations and ways to help deer, or um, some of the ponds when they were built were mainly being historically a cattle ranch. Um, they were built for stock tanks, mainly just for cattle to have access to water. Um, and how some of them are built, they're kind of built in, in stages where you'll have one pond further up the draw and then three quarters of the way down uh, that draw, you'll have another one just to optimize some catching water. Um, but for the most part, they were uh, cattle oriented when they were built. I but, got you. Now, is that something to where. I'm anxious to just ask you so I know on my properties. Um, if you were to say, I need to, I need to put water for my deer, um, you know, and I'm thinking of one property, um, I'm thinking of one property particularly that I have, and, and I know I'd have to kind of just show it to you, but uh, is, there a, a, is there a tip you have to, to put water for deer? Well, just kind of like um, keep it close to a food source. I mean, kind of they kind of got little quirks like we do as as humans you know you eat some you get you get thirsty uh, to help cleanse their palate all that kind of stuff i ain't you know exactly sure if that's what it does but uh they get thirsty just like most animals or anybody when they eat and there's Uh, a reason we put our fridge in our kitchen so it's right there yeah absolutely sinks right across from it usually (laughs) um but that would be if you were going to use it for just to have you needed water you know have no water on the property kind of thing that's what i would do it um gear it towards if you're trying to build something to use it as a diversion to where you know deer may have to go this way around you or something to make a pinch point or a travel or a funnel you know that could be a little different i got you but now before i move on um I, i get people all the time asking me they call me and say well if i'm just a whitetail hunter uh, what do I need a Garmin for? Uh, you know, I'm not going out West. I'm not, um, and, and I'll tell you why I use a Garmin. And, uh, you know, just today driving around these properties and looking at where I'm going to be hunting, I want to have something quick and easy to mark a location, mark a point, say shed or, or here's my blind or here's my tree stand, or, you know, here's a heavy trail, whatever. Um, and so that's what I use my watch for 90% of the time. And, uh, and so guys go check out Garmin, even if you're just a whitetail hunter, I promise you they come in very handy, very useful in the whitetail woods. Um, because you can just mark locations quick, easy on your wrist. You don't have to pull my phone out. I don't have to open something, wait for it to load. I just click save location and I can go back and name it later. Um, as for why I saved it. Um, also if you're a whitetail hunter, I find it very useful, um, in tracking deer. I can start a, a follow me on my watch and, uh, and I know exactly where I've looked for that deer at. And, uh, you know, if I'm on a blood truck, I can go back and look, um, at the exact way I walked later on and see, um, where the deer ran to where, you know, if I have to come back the next morning and look for, look for the deer again um it's very useful to go back and see the trail uh so guys go check out garmin um because i'm a huge garmin believer i use it every day in you know fitness tracking but also as a whitetail hunter uh they come in very very useful so go check out garmin absolutely Um, i'd have to agree i have um an e-trex 10 it's an older model but i I like you i keep it in my pocket um 
out in the ranch, I mark coveys of quail, sheds, where I find sheds, uh, matching sets, you know, just like you said, pinch points, funnels, heavy trails. Very, very good knowledge provider. Absolutely. And then uh, then you can go back later on and, you know, pull it up on your computer, pull it up on your phone and, and, and look at it on a map and see, you know, where you marked it and stuff. And so uh, very useful. And, and, and that's something I get so many questions about. Uh, people hear me talking about Garmin and uh, and they say, well, if I'm not going out west, what I need a Garmin for? Uh, well, they're very useful in the whitetail woods as well. Um, even so, you know, I've used them to mark my tree stands and, uh, you know, then then that next morning i can see um in correlation to where i'm parking the best route to get to that tree stand whatever it might be so um go check out garmin uh because they have a tool for everybody um now fred bear is big on his field notes and uh so what's one field note you've taken over the years that i can put in my back pocket and make myself a better hunter with well it's something that i i have learned through the years of of hunting and um being a wildlife biologist something that i never really thought of when i was younger um was thermals and your winds with the thermals um especially out here on the ranch where we have um a vast terrain change and it could be very quick um drop off 60 70 feet or it could be gradually over 900 acres three draws um feed three different directions um depending on the wind it's going to go up or down one of those draws yeah pretty guaranteed um that's one thing you know be mindful of your thermals um where you know they rise in the morning and settle in the evening you know you don't want to necessarily go down into the bottom in the evening when everything's starting to settle you know you're going to blow a lot of deer um type stuff same thing in the morning you know you don't want to necessarily you want to be mindful of what's above you what's below you how some of that wind is taking your thermals and you'll if you start to pay attention to it before you use it you'll you'll notice if you deer pick up on it and you'll notice that's what it is now run me through some tips um on thermals uh, so if you're if you're going to hang a new set and you're thinking this is primarily an evening spot um or primarily a morning spot either one um what are you looking for in terms of where your thermals will, thermals will be well, i'm looking um i like to pick out the tree or I like pick out the spot if you can first and then the tree um because depending on where that tree is, is going to affect your thermals as far as if it's on the edge right before it drops off. You know, that'd be a great spot for a morning, potentially, because all your thermals, um, you're going to be a pinch point, and the deer should funnel down below you unless... Um, so your thermals are rising, but the deer rising are below Rising in the morning, so you won't have right. them below you. Whether the wind's out of the especially if they're below you on you know elevation wise you know if the wind's out of that direction or if even if it's out of the opposite direction with your thermals rising in the morning you i wouldn't recommend it but you could necessarily hunt with that deer being downwind and the wind going towards them just because your thermals would settle or bring rise in the morning and take them right off as well as your scent now what's uh for people who listening and um who maybe haven't had that that conservation across the board mindset? Um, what would you say your big first off? Great tip. Let me just say that great tip on thermals uh, because again, a lot of people going back to the Garmin thing. A lot of people think thermals when they're out west and, mm-hmm. and up and down the mountain, but they neglect to think about the thermals when they're deer hunting, uh, and they only think about wind direction. Well, if your wind direction's good but your thermals are bad, 
you're just as screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, so thermals come into play just as much deer hunting as they do anything else. Um, so, so great tip first and foremost, but, uh, for somebody who, who hasn't had that conservation mindset across the board, what's the first step you would give somebody in saying you want to create a healthy habitat for all wildlife. You know, maybe somebody just bought a farm, 40 acres, uh, a hunting farm, and, and they want to have just a healthy population of everything. They want a turkey hunt. They want a white hunt. They want a duck hunt. They want a whatever. Uh, what's the first step you say somebody needs to take in having that conservation mindset? get in the property and pretty well put foot over almost every inch of it that you can just to see what in fact you species you do have um as far as flora and signs of some wildlife as well um you got a monoculture of uh, say a forest stand and it's a thick forest stand and there's no ground cover i mean you're gonna have to do some clearing as far as some timber goes to get some forbs and stuff on the on the understory to provide some bedding and that kind of stuff so first step would be get in get your hands dirty get your boots get and get some wet feet yeah and see exactly what you have and what you need to get back on the property most likely there's a seed bank in the soil whether it's going to be a disturbance through cutting trees um fire um, disking several different options as far as disturbances goes but first you need to get out and get your feet dirty hands dirty and see what exactly you have on your property so what 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 would you say the primary you know three things would be um looking at a property what's three things you think this property has to have top three things you need food bedding and of course we're gonna go back to that water very good and so that's that's look at it with those those top three things now of course there's there's several things to look at after that um but but start with those three things and, and look at that and and you know that back 40 that back 40 series that we mentioned put out by meat eater is a great resource because they look at everything squirrels rabbits um turkeys ducks deer they look at everything um and and how to create that habitat and even I think they even look at like bees and stuff and yeah, uh, pollinator species. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of things after those three things, but if you want to have that conservation mindset and build a healthy property for all sorts of game, look at those three things first, bedding, food, and water. Uh, because if you have those, you can get by. Absolutely. That's even with the ranch being 6,800 acres, you know, I try to break it into smaller chunks and focus Absolutely. on this. Well, it might not be 40 acres, but it may be 100 or 200 right. acres. What do I have within this? What can I improve to get the better habitat or better food, um, water, or whatever we need? You know, luckily, it's a little bigger scale, um, but you still need to break t- some chunks down to get it fine-tuned. Now, this might be a stupid question and a hard question to answer, but... Um, uh, and again, looking not only at deer, but healthy healthy populations of everything, is there one food source that you find to be beneficial, you know, across the board for everything, um, rather than just deer? Well, hmm, that's a tough one. It really is. Um, yeah, uh, Forbes. It could be several different Forbes, uh, but just having some Forbes across the ranch are good for turkeys uh good for <laughs> sorry <laughs> that look on your face when you picked up that shed just kind of made me chuckle uh but forbs they could be good for deer good for ducks if they're in the right spot around some water quail turkeys um back to all your pollinator species as well 
Um, Forbes are one thing you have to have. You can't just have a monoculture of grass, switchgrass. You can't just have a monoculture of oak trees with all the acorns you need. You know, they're going to need more than just a monoculture. Now, (laughs) you laugh when I picked up this shed. Um, Sweet looking shed, by the way. Um, He's still running around, so. I'll He's, shoot him uh, this fall. That uh, split there on his G3, it kind of reversed this year. It's coming out of the outside instead on the inside. Um, but he's still got that little sticker you got your ring finger on. And, uh, well, I promise you, he's got a uh, he's got a, a Eastern Axis waiting for him that I'll put through his heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, speaking of sheds, though, I picked this up. And uh, for somebody who is so conservation mindset, how do you use sheds? Depending on the time of year, I find them. Luckily, here being here in Oklahoma, we do burn in the spring, so it's at times easier to find sheds than others. Um, but for way I look, like to look at it is where they're going to be late season when they drop their antlers, or where they're going to be early season. Um, just given the time frame, you know, in, in between, you got the rut and a few things, which sends them off kind of on their own. Um, but that's going to help provide a a home range, a good core area most likely. At least fine-tune it, especially if you have everything you need, some of that food, shelter, water around there, he's not going to have to go too far. So you can get, start to, um, especially if you find some sets, you can get a little better idea on that home range and just use some of that stuff with going back to the Garmin. Like we have three three years of sheds there that you just picked up, and they were all found within an 80-acre chunk. If you put a so put it to a map, acres. Um, at least at the end of the year, yes, yep. So again, going back, um, you know, you can look back and say, okay, I pinpointed this deer in 2018 here um, on my watch. I pinpointed the deer here in 2019 on my watch. 2020 here on my watch. He's within this square. Yep, and you have, of course, most people have trail cameras. So if you have trail cameras throughout the area as well over those three years, you know, you can get a darn good idea on that home range i uh went last year one time i um i had two i had two cameras and um they were only i don't know 100 yards from each other maybe and uh i got a picture of a buck and i don't know eight minutes later he was in front of the other camera no antlers from the first one he had both antlers second one he had no antlers so like so within this he dropped both antlers in eight minutes Ten minutes, whatever the time difference was, and so I went back, and they were my, they were wise eye cameras, so they're cellular. So um, I was like, well, I need to go out there, and sure enough, yeah. man, walked that path, found both sheds. Absolutely, pretty cool deal. Works out um, great. Do you utilize any kind of cell cameras? Um, we have not recent in the recent years. Going forward, we may. Um, just getting some servants down in some of these bottoms at points right and you just there is yeah. none so it doesn't work out very well but i heard a guy one time i'm trying to think of who it was um i think it might have been bill winky i don't but i don't want to anyways it was one of those classic known big buck killers. absolutely chuck adams or bill winky or one of you know one of those guys and uh they said if you're going in to check your choke cameras quit trying to be stealthy and i'm like what do you and I couldn't understand, like, I didn't wrap my mind around He's like, dude, if I could drive an RV to my truck cameras, I would. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, don't, I couldn't get it at first. He's like, they're used to tractors and four-wheelers and whatever you're pulling in there. What they're not used to is people stalking Walking. around and stealthing around, trying to be quiet and going to check cameras. 
And I was like, man, that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, so he's like, I always, you know, if, if it's a combine, I'll take it back there or whatever, because those deer are used to seeing those. But they're not used to me traipsing around in there. Yeah. So there's another tip off if you want to go. Absolutely. Check your trail cameras. Um, do it on a four wheeler. Uh, you know, my hunting buggy's a golf cart, and uh, and so uh, whatever it is, drive it back there and check it uh, because those deer all year long are used to seeing tractors and four wheelers and combines or whatever it might be. So, um, just another quick tip: the things that are out of the ordinary are what what trip their trigger. Yes, sir. Well, Corey, thank you so much for coming on, guys. Stay tuned uh, because this fall I'm going to be hunting here quite a bit, and uh, can't wait to. Um, can't wait for you guys to hear and see how this hunt unfolds uh go check out liberty ranch outdoors on facebook and instagram uh because they have an incredible operation here and like like Corey said they are new um to the hunting game uh but with such a conservation mindset i promise you this you'll be seeing some giants cut off here so uh go, go follow liberty ranch on facebook and instagram um but again stay tuned because i can't wait to t- kind of tell you how my hunt unfolds here and uh hopefully we'll be coming back to you sometime in november talking about you know a deer i got to harvest out here so. absolutely even sooner maybe yes sir <laughs> um speaking of that let's uh, I, i've already started my outro but uh in oklahoma in your part of the country what's the best time of year to pin down a deer early late rut when's your if you were to say you've got one opportunity to come hunt and you want to kill a big deer this is your time oh uh, well that, see, that's going to throw in a lot of personal preference, but if you just have a limited number of time and you're after one deer, and specifically, and you can get on him early season, you know, first week or two of season, while it's here in Oklahoma, it's the first week of October. I know in a few other states it's actually in September. Um, you can get them on that summer pattern still. Um, but if you can't make it happen early, late season, no doubt. Um, so skip the rut altogether. Yeah, um, <laughs> and nobody, I shouldn't say yeah, but. The older I get, man, the more I learn the rut is a fun time to hunt, but yeah. it's a hard time to hunt because there, there's no predictions. Like, there's no. You can't go into the rut with just one buck in mind. No, sir. Because uh, there's going to be several more that pass and press you to, there will to be think deer, about it. There will be deer in that rut that you've never seen before. Absolutely, ever. yeah. And so the rut is a fun time to hunt, but it is, it's. I don't want to say the hardest time to hunt, but it is the uh, the most challenging time to hunt because there's no way to pin him down. There's no way to say, where's he going to be? Where's he going to go? I mean, there's... Yeah, he could be here this morning, and by lunch, he could be... Two miles away. Yeah. Wherever his girlfriend is, exactly. that's Exactly, wherever she takes him. That's so no. late season, I think, would probably be pinpointed down. Late season would be, would be the key for me. You know, late season is my... Again, and you might have to sit and... 10 degree weather dumping snow on you but sit over food and they're coming to food absolutely they've had a hard rut they got to replenish they got to you know recharge the batteries and put that weight back on so they're going to be hitting food and i find myself all the time kicking myself because i'll shoot a deer in the rut just like you said i'll have a deer coming (laughs) and tempt me well then late season i'll be checking cameras and sure enough that one top of the line buck is is one you want on the corn every morning on the on the cornfield or winter wheat or whatever uh every morning and i'm like he'd be so easy to kill right now (laughs) Uh, so yeah, late season is phenomenal. Just for that reason, I grew up in Ohio. I love the cold. I love the snow. Me too. So that's maybe that's why I'm biased towards it. But I think if you look down in your books, um, trail cameras, late season for that one buck, that's going to be your time to get on him. 
And if you say, I just want to see a lot of deer and I want to kill a, a good buck, the rut. I mean, hunt the yeah, rut. Absolutely. Um, a lot of activity. You know, I, I always, I never take my kids late season, too cold. They'll mm-hmm. be miserable. Uh, but if I want to take a kid hunting with me, I'm going to take them in the rut. Because they'll see deer run by, they'll see deer sprint by, they'll see deer, you know, huffing and puffing and spitting and stomping. And, and it's an exciting time to hunt. Uh, uh, so if yeah. you're trying to get a kid involved, the rut. Oh, just anybody involved. I mean, there's things that happen, you know, whether you're 60, 70 years old and been hunting most of your life, that that happened for the first time during the rut. Just because things are, there is no plan. Like you said, there's just right. throw 52 cards in there and hope hope you can catch one kind of thing is what the rut is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Guys, go check out Liberty Ranch. Uh, go check out my friends over at Nexus Outdoors. Um, I'm a huge fan of Scentlock, and, uh, and they have some awesome things. Um, in store for you and i think that's all i can share right now but they've got some cool things coming out that i'm incredibly excited about uh so go check out nexus outdoors and all of their brands scent lock scent blocker um oz by scent lock and uh because you're going to want to stay tuned for what they got coming out here in the next few months and the next upcoming year um so go check out nexus outdoors go check out liberty ranch and guys make sure and, and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast make sure and subscribe uh because we've got some awesome things in store for you this year some awesome giveaways with the new 2022 lineup um coming that we're gonna do some cool giveaways with uh so if you haven't subscribed to the podcast make sure and hit the subscribe button on any platform you listen to it on uh because there's gonna be some fun exciting things coming out in the next coming year thanks for listening you guys have a great week